0: Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favourite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is The AgriPod with Alice McFarland.
1: On this episode, control your money so it doesn't control you. Vanessa Stockburger is a former investment banker on Toronto's Bay Street who went on to found and run Women's Sense. She says having more money doesn't necessarily fix things. Instead, people need a strategy or an action plan in order to achieve their financial goals. But what happens when that business is a multi-million dollar farming operation? To reduce stress, she says people have to have power and control over their finances. She'll discuss strategies for dealing with some of the big decisions, including when to save, when to spend, and when to pay down debt. It's a collaboration that brings together the complete beef research cycle. The University of Saskatchewan's Livestock and Forage Centre of Excellence, located southeast of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, opened in 2018 and includes 2,000 head of cattle feeding operation, cattle research facility, buildings for drying forages, a 350 head cow-calf research facility and forage research projects. U of S College of Engineering Professor and Researcher Dr. Terry Fonstad will tell us about the collaboration between all areas of the university that truly gives the full picture of what happens from pasture to plate. And he'll tell us what makes this research facility unique from any other. After the break, Vanessa Stockbrugger.
0: Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarland.
1: Financial educator and coach Vanessa Stockbroker is here to discuss the financial stresses that are inevitably a part of any farming operation. Vanessa, you've always been interested in finance, but I also find it interesting that you also come from a farming background.
2: So I actually grew up in Saskatchewan on a farm near Watson, Saskatchewan. And I, I then went to the University of Regina and got my business degree in finance. And uh, as I was in the business program, I became very interested in finance and looked at different career options. And that actually took me to Toronto, where I was an investment banker in Toronto and Calgary for 10 years. And um, and I really enjoyed that career. And I always spent time um, thinking about how I could evolve that career into something else that was more on the personal finance side and um, so then a few years ago after I'd stayed home with my daughters and they were back in school then I started the company Women Sense because I saw a need for individuals and in particular women but more and more I'm working with couples too who really I want to help them build their financial confidence and and build their education their knowledge in a very non-intimidating and um, more layman terms type of environment where it can be, I do not sell any products, I don't sell any investment products. So it's purely on the education component and helping people feel more confident taking action in their financial life. So that's what Women's Sense is about, it's a financial education and coaching company. And I work with uh, individuals and couples across across Canada.
1: Vanessa, money can bring a lot of relief, but also a great deal of stress, especially on a farming operation. I'd like you to talk about financial mindfulness. This is something that you've mentioned in your presentation and just explain uh, what you mean by that.
2: Yeah, where I come up with financial mindfulness is that idea that we are very intentional about making our finances a priority. And I think we often think in terms of how we make money, how we earn money, but we don't always spend that same amount of energy in what we do with it and, and time and really looking at the different options. And so to me, financial mindfulness is really saying, you know what, my finances are a priority. If I don't make them a priority, no one else is going to. And so I'm going to educate myself. I'm going to make very strategic decisions where it comes to spending my money, saving my money, investing my money, um, how I use debt. Instead of it being more of just something that happens, we're very intentional and we have a plan. And, and it's true, I mean, money is what is the number one stress in Canada. And I'm sure in this type of environment, that is even more so. Um, but the whole idea is not about the amount of money we have, but actually our feelings of power and control over it. And so having a plan, preparing for the unexpected, feeling that we have things in order is actually what's going to bring us financial satisfaction. It's not just having more money. Um, And that's where a lot of the stress then can be removed is by having that plan in place and knowing that you can withstand some bumps
1: along the way. So how do you go about the process of deciding if you should be saving your money, spending it, or maybe paying down debt? Because we know on the farm, there is a lot of debt.
2: Well, it's really about looking at each one of these individually. Um, and, and something that I, I focus on is having a money strategy and the three steps to developing a money strategy. And the first one is knowing where we're at today. Step one is clarity on our current financial position. And, and that really is our net worth statement. So that tells us what is our debt? What, what do we have for savings? Um, so we have this starting point to know then, well, what should we be changing? Do we need to change something? Step two is saying, well, what decisions are we making that are impacting our current financial position? And this gets into the spending decision. What are our goals? What are our uh, What's our income? All of these are impacting what our current situation, financial situation is. And then the third step to the money strategy is taking action, saying, well, how will I change this now that I know where I'm at, what I'm doing, the habits, the actions I'm taking right now, how that's impacting me and my position, financial position. How would I change that? How can I move closer to where I want to be? And that really helps then in determining, um, first of all, on the spending side, I, I have clients work through where do they spend their money and knowing what your household burn rate is, because it needs to be financed, whether it's on or off the farm. Um, how, how can you change your spending? And I'm all about control over it. Where do you have control? What are the things that are quite fixed that you can't change? So that's on the spending side. Then on the saving side, in order to repay debt, um, you know, it's a balance of making sure you have an emergency fund, you have cash available, and making sure that you are investing or saving your money where you're earning a return instead of letting it sit there. Versus maybe you could repay debt and automatically be earning that return because you're paying off an interest rate that you're automatic that is costing you something. And on the repaying debt side, um, I, I mean I think it's important to look at your own mindset around debt and what you're comfortable with, but then looking at the cost of the debt that you have, um, comparing that to what's the return you could get elsewhere. Maybe it is better to repay debt in that instance. Um, having a very strategic plan for how this debt will be repaid and and even categorizing the different types of debt that you have and which one are you going to focus on first. Um, For farmers in particular, is this tax-deductible debt? Where is the debt? Is it in the business, in the farm? Is it in the household? Uh, And looking at those types of considerations. Um, So it's one of those things where you, you make a choice with the money we earn and we really have three choices. We can spend it. We can save it or we can repay debt.
1: Vanessa Stockburger is our guest, and we're talking about taking control of our own financial situation. So, Vanessa, there are some specific challenges on the farm. One in particular that I think of is uh, usually there's more than one family involved, and that offers some very specific challenges.
2: Well, absolutely. I mean, money and communication are, and talking about money is an issue, let's face it, even within a family unit. It's not, and so then you've even complicated it when you have maybe multiple families or generations farming, and if there's not the money talk happening. And so, firstly, I think it's important within the household. I'm a big proponent of having spouses communicate about money so that everyone's on the same page. And instead of maybe one person making the day-to-day decisions, um, the other one making longer term financial decisions that everyone is working together on that front. And so same too, when you have more than one operator in the farm, um, I think it's very important to, talk, to communicate. And, and I'd say the areas in, in to look at are, what are your objectives? What are your goals for the farm? What is the, the growth expectations in the farm and reinvestment, right? And, and what's the lifestyle that each of the partners want? And that can be very different. And I think the more that you talk about that and people are aware of that, the easier you can work around that. Um, and even talking about the involvement from the labor aspect to maybe someone's more on the financial management and, and managing marketing, for example, and one person is more hands on in the field or with the operations. So, understanding that position that you're in within the farm um, and for sure having the conversation. I think regular meetings are important. Um, personally, my husband and I are involved um, with the farm, even with my brothers, and because um, we have our own land, but we also help them with some of their decision making. We can be independent advisors to them to help them talk through some different things because we're, we're removed from that.
1: So while there are some unique situations when you're running a farm, it really comes down to uh, running it like any other business and uh, trying to keep the personal stuff separate, but running the business itself. Um, you know, on the farming side, that, I think
2: it's even more important. I think someone making a biweekly salary can sometimes get away with a bit more fiscal mismanagement, if you want to call it that, or kind of just taking your foot off the gas and letting it manage itself. But I, I believe that uh, the message is the same, if not maybe stronger, for anyone that has their own business. And, and you know, that is farming, where there is an uncertainty that there's a lot of other risks that you're taking on. And so making sure that you're managing the money to be able to fund the household, sustain the household, um, and have that buffer set up, making those good decisions with your money is so important because you, you have to prepare for a difference in years and and crops or in your agribusiness. Um, So I would just say it's even amplified.
1: So, Vanessa, there are a lot of other a lot of options out there when it comes to uh, saving and investing. How in the world do you wade through all of that? Because there are so many that are out there.
2: Well, there are, and and I think it can become. Well, I know it can become overwhelming. And I would say the one thing on the saving side is that when. What I see a lot of is that there will be savings and it could be a significant amount of money because maybe there was a a sale of an asset or for whatever reason, there's built up cash that maybe you want to keep low risk, but then it might sit there not earning a return. And I just see it way too often. And even though we're in a very low interest rate environment right now, I really encourage people that if you have a lump sum amount of money sitting there that yes, you might need in some, somewhat in the near future, say within the next three to 12 months, that you'd still look to earn some type of return because I want people to get into the habit of that. Because we can't borrow money for free, we should not have our money sitting there earning no return. So there's options there, a high interest savings account is, is a great tool to use. And I really encourage clients to, to make that move or talk to their institution to just look at what their options are to get a higher interest rate, a higher return. And then on the investing side, yeah, I mean, I I love that part of personal finance. And uh, I could talk for a long time on that, but there are multiple options. But, you know, I think that's where people can get a little bit overwhelmed and they feel like they could do something wrong or that it has to be more complicated than it actually has to be. And I am a big advocate for simple when it comes to investing. I think there's there's some basic conventions that I want people to think about, their risk, their timeline, fees that they're paying. But you know, if you, if you don't understand what it is, then it's probably more complicated than it needs to be. Um, but I, I love to help people understand what the questions are that they should be asking, so that they make sure that they understand what they're actually investing, what they're investing in. And it doesn't have to be complicated.
1: So the bottom line is control your money so it doesn't control you. Yeah, that's a great, great analogy. Yes. It,
2: and having that um, ability to feel that you are the one deciding where that money goes and that you are the one in charge. Um, and it's very powerful. And that is where there's, there's less stress and a feeling of empowerment.
1: Vanessa Stockbroker is the founder of Women's Sense, a financial education and coaching company. After the break, University of Saskatchewan professor and researcher Terry Fonstad talks about the important work that's going on at the Livestock and Forage Centre of Excellence.
0: Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: University of Saskatchewan Professor Dr. Terry Fonstadt is here to talk about the work going on at the Livestock and Forage Centre of Excellence. Uh, Terry, it really is uh, a central location for uh, a lot of different types of research.
0: The Livestock and Forage Centre of Excellence is uh a... it's a, a amalgamation of a lot of our research capabilities here on campus and in Western Canada, and so physically, um, I think the focus of it would be considered uh, 15 quarter sections of land that are southeast of Saskatoon, um, about 20 kilometers, 25 kilometers, uh, in a block that allows us to do a cow-calf research facility that has forage plots, and uh, and then those animals then would go to another facility that's a, uh, out there that would be a 2,000 head cattle feedlot facility. But the bigger picture is is even bigger than that. It, it starts with the genetics and the disease control and the, the, the animal science between the College of Agriculture and the Western College of Veterinary Medicine and VEDO. And that then leads us to knowing the genetics and, and everything we need to know about the cattle out there. Those cattle then have those calves. They go out on paddocks where we've done forage plots and that you know, the best of those forage trials and go into forty acre parcels that are replicates and we can put cow calf pairs out there, we can study the cow calf pair performance, we can study the forage. Engineers have put in sensors. We can look at moisture movement and moisture transfer in that system, both um, hydrologically and and hydrogeologically through the through in, in the in the subsurface in which Systems manage the most water, the water the best. And then you start to think of that, those calves then would go into the feedlot and you've got animal scientists and you've got nutritionists and you've got environmental engineers again working together on those intensive feeding operations. And then those cattle, when they're finished, would then be processed and go back to the university, to the food center, and you would have a steak on a plate that you knew everything about it, could totally trace it right back to the genetics from the Western College of Veter- Veterinary Medicine across the street. And so it's a, a complete circle of research that allows us to have synergies between what everybody else is doing, including even precision application of, of, of the manure from the facility and tracing of, uh, of all those nutrients through the system and so that's the big story is that it's not just this livestock forage center of excellence it's that it's integrating all these different disciplines to get us the full picture and capturing the synergies between those disciplines of the work that i might be doing on our team on moisture movement below the forage actually tells the forage researchers something which actually tells the cow calf people something
1: So just explain some of the advantages of having various research projects concentrated within one geographic region. Uh, It really gives a complete farm gate-to-plate aspect of production.
0: Well, it plays on the two things that universities are supposed to do. We're supposed to create knowledge and train people. And so when you're creating knowledge, creating knowledge in our own little silos, um, we'll know an awful lot about what what we're studying, but we don't know the impact on the, on the, on the other systems around us because we haven't been working together. And this allows us to work together where the engineers know what the forge people, which knows to the cow-calf people and, and are doing. And they also feed off each other and those, the information is transferable. So the knowledge, um, through those synergies becomes, um, much more usable. Much, we know much more about it.
1: So there's a huge advantage when it comes to manpower, but also when it comes to training people in the industry.
0: We have engineers and, and, and animal scientists and forage and plant breeders and forage people working with veterinarians. And so we've got toxicologists involved. And so you start to think of all of these grad students and start to work together and share knowledge and, and, and look at each other's thesis. And that gets much Better, well-rounded people going in the industry with a much bigger picture than just the specialists that that might be trained in uh, in the old system.
1: Dr. Terry Fonstadt is with us. He's with the University of Saskatchewan, and we're discussing the work at the Livestock and Forage Center for Excellence. So, Terry, what work is going on at the center right now, and uh, what are the primary goals?
0: Oh, boy, that's a big question Um, (laughs) because there are leads and each one of those leads has a whole group that they collaborate with. And so, for instance, the animal science folks like uh, Bart Lardner in the cow-calf side of it will be collaborating with the forage people and the engineers, but will be leading on the the cow-calf research and, and, and that side of it but there'll also be veterinarians that have projects out there that then may overlap with the cow-calf people. Um, I, myself, personally have some research out there. A lot of my work is in the environmental side, but then the work that we're doing for moisture movement and, and and monitoring actually gives answers to the forage people. There's forage breeding people out there. There's Jeff Shano's work, Dr. Jeff Shano's work out there in nutrient management and manure management. And then you start to bring that into Greg Penner and other people, Dr. Penner's work in, in the animal nutrition side of things on the, uh, and other, other researchers that have projects on, uh, on the on the beef side of it with the nutrition and the and the the feeding side and then there's even people in the food sciences center and so it's uh that's a big question and it and that's there's no real good answer that i can give you in a short period of time and that's the fantastic part about this facility is that there's so much going on out there and so much of it is capturing synergies and uh and that's the from a researcher standpoint it's just a a big playground and a once in a lifetime chance of opportunity to work in a, in that environment and we're collaborating with people pan canadian so there's people across canada that are actually working um, collaborating at that facility and so um so it's it's uh, it's a it's a great success story and it's uh it's just goes to the testament of some people that have had the vision um both in the province and at the university
1: So from an industry perspective, what are the benefits of this type of research when it comes to uh, application uh, right at the farm?
0: Well, I think one of the, there's a number of things. One of of those applications is they can actually go there and see it. You know, they're they're active industry partners or researchers in this. And so, you know, the cow-calf guys and and the the cattle feeding people and the forage people, they actually fund the research. They go there. They're there every year um, to see what's going on um they're gaining the benefit of this integrated research so they're getting this bigger picture and how things are connected and they can implement that uh on their farms and so uh, i just i just think that that's why they're buying into it and it it fits more of, of what r- real life production is real life production is a complete system and so they see us putting the system together and seeing and tweaking it and not them having to take papers from 15 different researchers and trying to figure out how does that fit into my my system
1: well i'm sure that you agree that research is important to the beef sector uh, and it really truly provides a science to support the industry
0: this is a a huge opportunity for canada to lead in that area of of uh, of beef production and feeding people Uh, there's you know, I think there's a report that came out the other day that 86% of the feed that goes into beef cattle is stuff that people can't eat. And so, as the world population increases and the demand for protein goes up, you know, this is one of those avenues where we can turn grasses that people can't eat into protein that people can eat. And uh, and doing that in a sustainable manner is one of the one of the big research focuses that this uh, this facility can can put together.
1: And Terry, just finally, tell us where we can learn more about the Center of Excellence.
0: There is a website for the Livestock and Forage Center of Excellence, and uh, there is a communications person, Lana Haight, that would be more than willing to connect you with who you uh, are interested in talking to. And there are uh, tours that can be tours that can be organized if you're interested in that. It's uh, not far from Saskatoon, and so we're we'll, we want to share the the knowledge that's out there. So.
1: University of Saskatchewan College of Engineering Professor Dr. Terry Fonstad. It's time for the weekly Agriculture News Roundup for September 7th, 2020. The federal government has started providing cash for food processors across the country to help them deal with the fallout of COVID-19. A $77 million emergency processing fund was announced by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in early May. It's to help food processors adapt to COVID-19 protocols, including protective equipment for workers. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebo says $10.5 million of the funding has so far been allocated to 32 projects. They include uh, projects for Olimel, JBS Foods, Maple Leaf Foods and Safina Foods. The federal and Saskatchewan governments have made a $64 million pasture land swap. Environment Canada will acquire 800 square kilometres of pasture in the southwest. In return, the Saskatchewan government receives federal lands, fences and barns of equal value and 55 former federal community pastures which have transitioned to producer control. Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt said ranchers will continue to have long-term cattle grazing despite the transfer. The Conservatives have a new agriculture critic. New leader Aaron O'Toole has appointed Ontario MP Leanne Brood to the Ag Portfolio. Rude has a varied background that includes politics and small business as well as farming. She grew up on a 1,000-acre vegetable farm, obtained a degree in criminology and sociology, and worked for the Harper government for six years. It was in that time that she worked with then-Agriculture Minister Jerry Ritz on developing the Marketing Freedom for Grain Farmers Act that ended the Canadian Wheat Board export monopoly. Rude replaces John Barlow from Alberta. Another convention and trade show has been postponed. The Agricultural Manufacturers of Saskatchewan said after discussion and consideration of all the options, the board made the difficult decision to not go ahead. AMC said while it was not an easy decision, the well-being of its members comes first. A virtual trade show was considered, but feedback from the membership indicated the preference would be to wait for a time when they could safely gather together. The first half of 2020 was extremely good for Saskatchewan agri-food exports. Oil seed exports between January and July increased 27% over the same period in 2019. Canola seed exports were valued at $2 billion. Lower sales to China were offset by large increases to the European Union, France and Germany in particular for biodiesel production. In addition to canola seeds, Saskatchewan also exported $1 billion of canola oil in the first half of the year. Some of the highlights include sizable increases in wheat sales to China, Durham exports to Turkey and Morocco, lentils to India and Turkey, and yellow peas to China. Farm Credit Canada is giving $1.5 million through its FCC Spirit Fund to 92 community groups across Canada to support rural capital projects. Between $5,000 and $25,000 would be given to projects that include expenditures on equipment purchases and installation, energy-efficient building improvements and repairs, and the purchase of rescue and fire equipment.
0: The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.